There it is. What's going on, everybody? We got another episode of Three Balls and a BLP for you tonight. Got a great guest here. We're going to have a good conversation. Uh, we got Max Brown. Max is a former USC and University of Pittsburgh quarterback. He was a two-time Gatorade High School Player of the Year in the state of Washington. Won the Hall Award as the U.S. Army All-American Player of the Year. And is currently a college football analyst for a stadium, Sirius XM, and USC Athletics. And Max, what's going on, man? How are you? I am doing great, Michael. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, so we're going to get into kind of your life and your, your process through SC and Pitt and what's going on now. But we start every podcast with a six-pack of questions. It's six random questions just to get the juices flowing and get things going here. So Let's do it. Hell um, yeah. my, my first question for you. It's a weekend, not great weather. You're at home, no football or anything on. You're scrolling through the channels trying to find something to watch. What's the one movie, whenever you see it on, you're stopping and watching it from start to finish. One movie when I see it on the start, starting from uh, or watching it from start to finish is National Treasure. That's kind of like my random, like, what the heck? Like, everyone's got their favorite movies. Like, for me as a football player, like, sure, Friday Night Lights and like Remember the Titans and stuff are on there. But uh, I got this weird thing with National Treasure. The, the kid in me wants to believe something like that exists. And so anytime right. I see good old, uh, good old Nick Cage on the, Whatever channel that would be, uh, I'm stopping and watching for sure. Yeah, that's that's a good one. For me, it's it's Gladiator, and I always seem to find it at the same point every single time. So it's like I don't I don't remember the last time I saw it from start to finish, but I have it memorized from like the point where he gets taken sla taken into slavery. Yep, but, and that's uh, kind of my point is I feel like Gladiator, like you'll get like 25 percent of the population that that that's probably the case. So I'm hoping that. Uh, Mine's a little bit more nuanced, but yeah, gladiators all time. So can't go wrong with that. Yeah. National Treasure is a classic one too. They got the third one coming out at some point once hey, COVID. I'm, ar I'm already shit. hyped. I'm already hyped. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Staying on the topic of movies, so to speak, it's, it's October spooky season as everybody's saying online, what's your favorite like Halloween or horror type movie? That's the thing. I'm not even a, uh, I'm not a horror movie guy. I, I, okay. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, but I, I guess, I don't know if this counts, but like The Purge, I don't know if that makes me messed up for even saying that, but uh, the concept of that movie is kind of interesting. Not saying I would ever, uh, for any of your listeners, not saying I would ever uh, partake in that, but <laughs> the concept and the idea is good. Uh, I watched that random Adam Sandler Halloween movie that just came out on Netflix, watched that like two, two, uh, two nights ago, but I'm not a huge horror guy, uh, to be honest, but I, I guess I'll I'll say I'll say purge if that counts. All right, we'll count that. That's thriller, kind of yeah, horror-ish. But uh, I'm just happy you didn't say hocus pocus. I've gone on record of being an anti hocus pocus guy, and it's gotten me a lot of heat. So okay, I'm glad, I'm what's, glad uh, you're... What, what's your go-to? Uh, my favorite horror movie is probably The Shining. <laughs> Good old Jack right. Nicholas Nicholson yeah. classic, uh, super okay. freaky, but. Good stuff. Yeah, and all right, third question here, or third third beer out of our six pack. What's uh, what kind of music do you listen to on like your workouts, runs? What's like your go to playlist? Yeah, I go through phases. Right now, I'm on a EDM hits playlist on Apple Music, so I'm more so like Tiesto, Avicii, those, those kind of guys right now. Yeah. Uh, but I dabble. I'll dabble with hip hop. We'll, we'll dabble into into Drake and even like Eminem and whatnot. That's, that's more like pulling out my, my pregame football, football vibes a little bit right. uh, with, with those, but those are the two main ones. Uh, you, I, I'm goofy a little bit. I'll get into like some instrumental, like motivational, like that type of type of deal. And then if I go on long runs, I'll listen to like, like a half an hour YouTube, uh, like motivational playlist at times, maybe a little David Goggins or like the rock or something like that. So I'm a yeah. little over, all over the place, but right now, uh, EDM's probably, uh, probably the move for me. Yeah, that's true. It is, it does seem to go in phases. Like I'll be in a phase where it's like early two thousands hip hop and then like blink One Eighty Two pop punk type stuff and then country. And it's just like, it changes with the seasons. I think it's, it's exactly. Crazy. I'm glad you said pop punk. I'll, I'll dabble with like, a. Like, I don't know if this is your scene, but like uh, Machine Gun Kelly's new new songs. Like, yeah. uh, I'll dabble with that, a little like Blink-182. So I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit all, all, over, uh, all over everything. Yeah, yeah, it keeps it fresh. Keeps, it, keeps exactly. you guessing a little bit. Exactly. Um, all right, so you went to USC. You spent a little time in L.A., I'm assuming. So I got to ask, Kobe or LeBron? Oh, 
this is easy one. Or I wish I, I wish this is where the video component w- would come in. I have a LeBron section of my room, and I'm 25 years old. I got a fat head literally in that closet that uh, I just moved into a new apartment. I am a huge LeBron guy. Uh, yeah. I'll go to bat for him any week, as you could probably imagine. Uh, I don't know when this podcast is airing, but it's been a nice, uh, nice few days for me after LeBron won. But uh, no, I'm a huge LeBron guy. I'm a bandwagoner totally like I was a Miami Heat fan uh, I was a Cavs fan I'm a, I'm a Laker fan even though I'm in LA uh but no I'm, a, I'm I'm LeBron through and through all right all right so follow up is it LeBron or MJ I'm assuming it's LeBron for you it's LeBron oh yeah I'm right. I'm I'm watching all the, the 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 Nick Wright debates on first things <laughs> first this week and even though I, as a as a as a broadcaster myself I hate those debates because even myself like I mean, you, you you go down a path of nitpicking greatness, which just sucks in itself. Right. And I got nothing but respect for that. But hey, I got no problem arguing when people go delusion mode on some of the some of their criticisms. Right. But uh, I, I try to, I try. Literally, I say this all the time on my social platforms. Like anytime LeBron's on, it's like this is only gonna last for so long. Try to enjoy it, and then let the debates happen uh, where they may. I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. I heard somebody say today, it's like you don't often see athletes when they come in that they were as advertised for such a long period of time. Like LeBron was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 18 as the chosen one. And 17 years, however long later, it's still the chosen one. So that, that is the number one thing when people ask me, oh, Max, like, why are you such a big LeBron guy? And uh, not saying I'm like LeBron at all, but we'll get into my story. And I was the top guy coming out of high school. And so the level of respect I have for LeBron for answering the bell, just with pressure and criticism. And in in this digital age we live in, which I saw a tweet the other day, like LeBron's been doing it since before we had smartphones, which is like (sighs) mind boggling to even comprehend. But that level of respect I have for him and the standard that he has set in all aspects of life, Screw the basketball side, just as like a figure in our society, nothing but respect for him. And now I'm going down a little bromance road, but uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge, uh, huge LeBron guy. That's no problem. I love it. That, that note before smartphones comment made me feel old and I'm only 27. So it's like, that's, that's yeah. craziness. And I'm, I'm 25 and yeah, that, that Sports Illustrated article happened what, when I was in like third grade. So yeah. like we're talking front and center since before I was even, whatever thinking yeah. about anything yeah it's it's it, it's crazy and uh, he's at his house is actually only like uh, a mile and a half up the road from uh from from where i'm at so kind of i got you kind of kind of kind of cool to uh to i don't know think about all that stuff yeah absolutely all right fifth question out of our six pack so you can only pick one out of these two are you going brunch or breakfast for dinner like pancakes for dinner Ooh, waffles for this, dinner this is interesting because i'm actually not big on like either like breakfast okay. to me is a clear third on the uh the lunch dinner uh lunch dinner breakfast but i'll go brunch i mean a right. sunday brunch with the boys with the, with the girlfriend and, and her fam out here in la there's some good brunch spots i'm like close to venice and stuff there's some good spots out there so yeah i'll go brunch i know that we were, we're cracking open a beer but never i'll, I'll always I, I can dabble with a mimosa from time to time so i'll go right. uh, i'll go brunch all right. Yeah. I'm not a big brunch guy, but I always like to ask All the question right. to people. It's like, so it's always bottomless mimosas. Do you think anybody's ever found that bottom? Because everywhere <laughs> you go for brunch, it's, they're offering bottoms up, but I'm like, there has to be a stop at some point. Yeah. And I guess the stop is passing out or whatever before <laughs> your, before your day rager. Uh, yeah. But I, I guess, no, I think we're still, we're still trying to test the limits or whatever. Uh, but no, I'm just, I'm waiting for the time where our world gets back to normal and we can actually do some of that stuff. So yeah. hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Yeah, you and me both. Um, all right, and then last question, six, six, the sixth out of our six-pack here. You get to pick this. Who was playing you in the movie biopic about your life? Someone asked me this the other day. Who was my answer? Um, the running joke uh, for me growing up, and I did this as my rookie show when I was a freshman at USC, is – um, I look like Napoleon Dynamite, and I got I got a little curls going on. So I believe his name is John Heater or whatever. So yep. like maybe that, but that's kind of a weak weak ass answer. Uh, 
Who would do it? Who, who would be that guy? Um, I watched the Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg documentary, and everyone tells me I look and act like uh, her husband in that, the guy that always plays the Harvard dude in all those movies. I don't got a name for you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got I to gotta go back to it. But uh, oh, the guy, he's like, he's the – He's kind of the, the douchey guy in the social network. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Army Hammer. Yep, Army Hammer. So I'll go with that. That guy's better okay. looking than me. But uh, he, he's tall, got a similar vibe. So I'll, I'll do that. And he's got a sick name. So I'll go, I'll go Army Hammer. All right. All right. I, I can see that. Yep. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. So that wraps up our six-pack. Let's get into kind of the meat and potatoes here. So I mentioned it at the top. You started at USC. You were the number one high school quarterback in the country. Give us kind of the cliff notes of like your process to get to USC, what went down there, and then what led you to be at Pitt. And then we'll kind of get into the everything after that, after, after we kind of get the background on Totally. You. Yeah. Cliff notes, my background. Uh, I'm from Sammamish, Washington, uh, outside Seattle. I went to a really prominent uh, high school football program out there called Skyline High School. Uh, during my time there and the years leading up to when I was there, we were a nationally ranked high school program. Um, it's a public school in Seattle, so kind of bizarre in that regard. But uh, big time prospects coming out of that school. And uh, it was a good kind of six, seven year run there. And uh, I say all that because football was a big deal in my community. And that Sammamish community, was, uh, it was a big deal. Kind of all the athletes played. And um, I won a bunch of state titles, uh, won three state titles, two as a starter. And uh, I actually was the backup my freshman year to a, a another number one quarterback in the country in their class, a guy by the name of Jake Heaps, went to BYU. He was the number one quarterback in the class of 2009. Um, a lot of your listeners probably don't know who that is. And uh, he, he his, his career didn't necessarily work out either. But I say that just to kind of the pressure and the standard was kind of set for me, really honestly, right. in middle school of kind of being that next man up. Uh, had had a bunch of success in high school, threw for a bunch of TDs, broke a bunch of records in, in the state of Washington, and ultimately ended, ended up at, uh, at USC, was kind of deciding between Oklahoma, Alabama, USC, and the University of Washington was there uh, as well. Uh, landed on USC at the time. It was a bunch of different factors. When I, when I committed to them, they were the number one team in the country. That's Matt, Matt Barkley, Robert Woods, Marquise yep. Lee, Lane Kiffin, that whole world. Uh, it was the middle of sanctions, which was an interesting time. Mm -hmm. uh, I took that head on, though, because my mindset was, hey, I'm going to bring this program back to prominence. I was a guy growing up on the West Coast. I grew up watching Matt, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush. Like, that is the peak. Right. Uh, when I started getting all the offers that I wanted in high school, I knew I wanted to play at a big-time program. I, I knew I wanted to take that on. Uh, I had felt that on a smaller scale in my state of Washington of playing for a big program, filling big shoes. Obviously, USC is a different ball game there, but I embraced that. I wanted that yeah. and uh, took that took that kind of head on and went to USC, went in with the mindset that, hey, um, I'm the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Uh, I'm going to come in. I'm going to start as a true freshman. I'm going to play here for three years, win a Heisman, win a national title, and uh, go to the NFL, and, and, and it'll all kind of be uh, – it'll all kind of work out perfectly. Um, all, all the while, kind of prided myself on – my work ethic and how I went about my business. Uh, and that's, that's part of my story in itself of kind of taking care of business off the field when some of the on the field stuff didn't work, but long story short, ended up losing two competition battles to Cody Kessler. I was his backup for, uh, mm -hmm. for three years there at, at USC. Uh, ultimately in my fourth year, I would battle with, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the, I got, uh, the, the, the beer hiccups a little bit, but, uh, would, I battled with Sam Darnold. I ultimately ended up beating, beating him out in the fall of 2016. Played against uh, – started the first three games and uh, ultimately got benched in, in, in favor of Sam Darnold. Uh, if you have a sports audience, uh, he uh, – obviously, Sam's a household name nowadays. My story took a different path. Ended up transferring to Pitt after that. Um, played in five games. Uh, we got beat up early on against a, a Mason Rudolph uh, Oklahoma State team, a, a mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley Penn State team, and it was another kind of slow to roll a little bit. Ultimately, ended up being ACC Player of the Week, uh, and things started to, to, to look up, started to kind of piece together. And the very next week, I got hurt, ripped up my right shoulder, and I'd ultimately rehab for 15 months. But that was kind of the end of my football uh, football story. And so 
that's that's the football nuts and bolts. Um, and yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the, the, the spark notes version for some context uh, for your audience. All right, all right, cool. I want to get to what you're doing after, like what happened after Pitt didn't work out. But uh, just kind of a question I like to ask, like the athletes that we have on here. It's who was the teammate that you learned the most from, from high school to college, not just on football, but like in life, like who did you lean on that you took some serious life lessons from? That's a great question. Um, the name that sticks to mind most for me is Jordan Simone. And I don't, he was a big time safety at ASU. Um, I don't even, he'd, he'd kind of be shocked that I'm saying this if he heard me say this, but I, I, I mean it. Uh, I played with him in high school. He was a, uh, a safety for us. He was one of my receivers in high school. He ended up walking on at Washington State. Mike Leach got the job at Washington State, wasn't giving him the time of day, ended up transferring to ASU, was uh, captain at ASU, started there for two years, um, got run with the Seahawks, was a Seahawks special teamer, ended up blowing out his knee. Super cool story, super gritty story. But uh, he was two years ahead of me in high school, and he would drive and pick me up. We, I went to a different campus as a freshman in high school. He would drive and pick okay. me up, and we would train together. I was kind of the next man up, obviously, and he was two years ahead of me. And his leadership and uh, just the way he went about himself, he was a guy that was tough on guys but was friends with everyone as well. And I think I always admired how um, – I think oftentimes when people think leaders, they kind of think the – the picture perfect guy who maybe don't, won't crack open a beer and Kate won't do that stuff. He showed me that, you know, you can be the best leader and you can get on your best friends and, and push them and be vocal and all that, but also be able to chill with them after and have that level of respect. And I feel like that's something I had in my college career is I was a vocal guy. I would get on guys. I was a vocal, uh, vocal leader, but I hope that my friends off the field said, Hey, this is a cool dude that we would want to hang out with and, and kind of had that level of respect as well. So in terms of leadership, he was a guy I always admired. And then obviously how he went about his business on the field of being a walk-on, ended up being a captain at ASU. His story is really, uh, really cool and always admired his work ethic. And that's the one player that I, I really look up to. In terms of more household names that people might know, Devon Kennard's a guy that sticks out to me. He's okay. a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals right now. Seven-year NFL bet, I, I believe now it is. And as good of a leader as I've been around, absolute, just good dude as hard of a worker as I've been around and a guy who was a six or seven round draft pick, but there's not a single guy at USC that's surprised that he is a seven year vet and there's a reason for it. He crushes it and kills it. And uh, in terms of teammates, those two guys really, uh, really stick out to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. It's kind of hard to be like a leader, but still toe that line of being like a guy that's approachable both in the locker room and not off the locker room, but a guy that's going to crack the whip and be like, Hey, we got to get this shit going. We got to roll. Um, so I think that's awesome that you kind of touched on that because I think when a lot of people think leaders on sports teams or things in life, they're thinking just guys that are all about the business or hard on everything. And they don't think that, you know, some of these guys are probably pretty good on both ends. And I've seen, been around leaders that are like that. And then also people that are just one or the other, where they're a leader, but they're too friendly or they're a leader and they're just too strict. And you're just like, I don't want anything to do with this dude off the field, on the field, just don't screw up because I don't want him coming down on my ass. Without a doubt. And right when you say that, bringing it back to the, the Michael Jordan last dance a little bit, like the, the thing that stuck out to me from there was he was he would never ask one of his teammates to do something that he wasn't willing to do. And that's always the thing that, that, that comes to mind for me. I was the slowest scholarship skill player that USC has recruited the past 20 years. But you better believe come conditioning day, like I'm going to be – I'm going to be – doing my best to lead the charge. I'm not going to say I was right. first or second or, or kind of stroke the ego in that regard, but we were, we were going and we were moving. And so, yes, you can have fun off the field and do that, but taking care of your business when it's time to grind, when it's time to go to school, when it's time to take care of business that way, I think uh, you earn your level of respect from your teammates in that regard. And uh, it's not happening overnight. It's not a, a, yeah. a foo-foo kind of what you're saying in a huddle. It's how you handle yourself kind of every day and how you go about your business. And so, um, those guys uh, definitely, and and a Michael Jordan and a LeBron, those guys, a Tom Brady, definitely, uh, definitely, definitely come to mind for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was your kind of like? Welcome to the big leagues. Like this is the big time show. Like, 
when you got to college? Was it like your first live practice? Was it the first time you got hit in a game? Because I know it's kind of like you kind of expect the speed to be a little bit different. You expect things to be tough and different, but I, it's different for everybody. Like when I, I, I worked at Dayton, University of Dayton football as an equipment manager, and then I got an internship with the 49ers. And I remember that first practice with the Niners. I was like, wow, this is way different. The, like we have athletes at Dayton, but these are – athletes like these guys are moving and I the first day I think I broke a finger because I was catching balls from Josh Johnson and I'm like oh shit these guys are bringing that heat so what was that for you that you were like oh shit this is not what I'm used to this is I gotta yeah I gotta totally the chin strap a little bit tighter and bite down on the mouthpiece and get to work totally totally two instances come to mind I don't think I have like one huge moment where it's like oh man I've always kind of prided myself on being a guy who's kind of self-aware and you always heard those stories in high school, right? Of like, Oh, gear up, man. Like, here we go. So I was always kind of aware that that moment was going to come for me. And so I think those, those, the guys that aren't aware of that and think they're going to just walk into USC and be the next great next Reggie Bush, that's where they kind of have that moment where it's kind of shell shocks them. But for me, the very first seven on seven workout we had, and I remember kind of taking a snap and, the pass rush was after me and I remember just like hitting like a, a nine yard snap route to Victor Blackwell on the, on the right numbers. And it was like, that's an easy throw in high school, but it was like, bang, bang. And I think it was an incomplete pass. And I was like, shit, this is fast. Like that was a very easy throw to make in high school that there's just so many new, more factors at play. It's taking the snap from under center. It's the offensive line, defensive line are a lot bigger. That corner now knows what's going on. He's not a clueless high school corner, like those right. kind of things. And, I remember that's something that sticks out. And then uh, I actually only had like one real life significant snap as a backup at USC. Uh, it came at Utah, Salt Lake City on a Friday night. Cody Kessler took a shot uh, and he got the win, uh, win, win uh, knocked out of him. And uh, I got thrown in there. We're in the red zone on like the 10 yard line called a play action. This is my, my one play. And I remember rolling out and Nate Orchard, who, uh, defensive end for Utah was the Pac-12 defensive player that year. It's kind of like in my grill, uh, ends up kind of hitting me a little bit. And that, I remember like I had done practices for a few years at that point, right. but it was like a real life game was a different beast. And I, uh, I remember just that, that kind of being like, all right, here we go. And it shows the value of game reps, but those two instances kind of uh, stick out to me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about kind of post football and everything that you got going on a little bit now and the years past after you left Pitt. Um, I, the reason I kind of opened my eyes to like who you are and started following you was, uh, you were on my, one of my good friends, Taj Boyd's podcast. And, uh, I remember one of the things that you said on it, you were like, uh, probably, probably one of the biggest busts in college football history, which is like, I heard that and I'm like, damn, this dude is straight up with himself. But that's like crazy harsh. So granted you were the number one player coming out of high school and things didn't pan out. So how were you kind of able to, look back at that and still take positives from it because another thing that I took from the Taj interview is like, you want straight up questions. You want things to be, you know, straight up and black and white, no, no kind of filler or anything. So how can you look back at your college career being such a failure like that? That's kind of tough for me to say being so blunt with it, but so you look back at it, you were such a failure, but you're, you were still able to, take positives from it. So how did you kind of go through that adjustment period after football to get to yeah. kind of where you are a little bit? Yeah. And, uh, and, and no offense taken at all. When I, literally every podcast, uh, when I, whenever I'm on podcasts and that this topic kind of comes up and the word failure kind of comes up, everyone always kind of stumbles over that because it's weird. It is harsh and all that stuff. And, uh, in, in a lot of my content, I know this is probably a, a 180 for your listeners. We're kind of talking and, and having, having laughs and having fun, but, that's a huge part of my story. And that's a huge part of the content that I dive into um, because the reality is like, that is real for me. And mm -hmm. the reality is I was supposed to be, or like publications had me as potentially like the next Peyton Manning. And it's crazy to now do that. Like sit here and say that it's even weird for me to say that now because I'm so not even close to that, that it's almost weird to kind of, kind of say that. But that was where my head was at. And that's where other people's heads were at. It's not like I'm just saying here, sitting here saying, Oh, I had lofty goals and all that stuff. No. And, and I think that's a huge part of what I speak up about because my scenario and not to be Mr. High and Mighty, but my scenario crushes people, right? They don't know how to, and I, I get messages all the time where 
things don't work out in your life. You don't live up to expectations. You don't get your dream job. You, things don't go according to plan for whatever reason. Life goes on. And especially in this ever-connected world we live in and social media, where everyone knew what was going on in my life. Everyone saw my interviews after I got benched. Everyone saw my face after I ripped up my shoulder. Everyone saw the articles that were kind of bashing on me. And um, I mean, I remember walking to pizza after uh, in, in December of 16 and my uh, USC's newspaper saying, hey, USC would have won a national championship if Max Brown hadn't been their starting quarterback. Those are things I have to live with. Those are, that, that is real. And nowadays people kind of, oh, Max, don't think like that. Oh, don't think like that. But that's easy for them to say, like th those things still get me going, still get me fired up. And that's a part of my life. And so for me, I try to channel it for positive. That's given me an unreal perspective in life where I've seen my worst nightmare in high school. The worst nightmare for Max Brown was football not working out. Well, I've gone down that road. I've seen the other side. Most people in their life never, ever seen their, their, their worst fear, whatever that is. And once again, people might say, oh, Max, you're being harsh on yourself. That's not your worst fear. Fear. It's a blessing to play football at USC. Don't get me wrong. 100% blessing to play football at USC. But you got to think about where I'm coming from as a guy who has these lofty um, expectations, however you net out with that word, and right. hopes and aspirations and whatnot. So that's kind of where I net out on that, on, that, uh, on that topic. I think a lot of people shy away from failure and shy away from harsh truths and the reality of their situation, and they try to sugarcoat it. And as a result, they're doing themselves a disservice because um, they try to spin it in their mind. And I think rather than accepting it, dealing with it, learning from it and moving forward, they always try to create this alternate uh, scenario in their head and they yep. never address actually what happens. And I think that that has a ripple, a negative ripple effect for a lot of aspects in, uh, in their life moving forward after that, uh, that event happens. Right. Absolutely. So I, I got to ask, like, so you kind of, when you were going through your story, it seemed like you kind of had some tough breaks where like, you know, Sam Darnold kind of came onto the scene and kind of like, I don't know if he beat you out or if it was just kind of a coaching change or whatever. And then your injury at Pitt. So did you ever go through a period where you were blaming somebody else and you were like, Oh, I like, I didn't make it because of this. Cause I know with athletes, it's so hard for them to admit that like so it, things didn't work out and it's hard to say like that didn't, I, I failed at that. It's hard to move on from that. So they always, people like to blame other things or find reasons why they didn't work out. So did you ever go through that period where like, you know what, it's, it's not my fault. It was, you know, the coach at USC's fault for benching me. It was, you know, my lineman at Pitt for not blocking right. Or did you, is that kind of something that you went through? Because I feel like that's kind of a natural reaction, but it's, but yeah, just kind of curious. Yeah. No, totally. And the answer to that is no. And I'll dive into that. But I also want to say, I'm not a robot. I'm still a human being. Like, obviously those thoughts come on, uh, come, come about like, man, if only I hadn't started against Alabama first and I had UNLV or something like that, or if only yeah. on in pit, if only uh, one of our best players, like uh, Matt Flanagan was a tight end with the Redskins. Like he missed his block on that play. I'm not saying it's his fault, but right. like if that, if that doesn't happen, a guy who's Mr. Consistent, like maybe I'm not injured. Maybe I go down that path. Um, but I, I just, I never gone down that road because I, 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 I and that's, that's genuine. I never pointed the finger. I never, to this day, uh, my brother gets mad at me or uh, he'd probably be pissed if I was saying that, but uh, my brother gets mad at me for not blaming a Clay Helton, USC's head coach for everything. I've just never gone down that path because I know that that shit does you a disservice, that that's where right. people get in trouble, where they start playing the blame game and they're, and that's where, they start living in the past and they're never able to fully accept it. Um, for me, I never, um, never went down that path, but the reality is I still like those thoughts. I'm not a, I'm not a robot. I remember sitting in spring football in the, in the season in, in, in 2016 and Clay Helton sat me and Sam Darnold down and said, guys, I have a decision on my hands. I have two NFL starting quarterback quarterbacks on my roster. And one of you guys ultimately isn't going to play. Well, we all know how that story played out. Sam's right. with the Jets. I'm doing what I'm doing over here. Like, that's tough to swallow. I also remember being at Pitt and multiple coaches coming up to me and saying, you're night and day better than our last quarterback. And, with, and that the last quarterback was Nate Peterman, who's still picking up a paycheck with the, with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders right now. And I'd say that no disrespect to, to Nate Peterman. He took care of his business. He's done what he's needed to do to have a paycheck. But I say that just to give people perspective with kind of 
where my head was at. And sure, I, I wish kind of the, I wonder, I wonder about the what ifs and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I mentioned this earlier, I've always hung my hat on, on work ethic. There isn't a, thing, a single thing I look back on my playing career where I said, man, if only I had done that extra rep or man, if only I had taken advantage of this or man, if only I had walked into the coach's office then. I, I don't mean to be like high and mighty, but I feel like at my time, at, when I was in it, I was aware of those factors and took the steps needed to have success. And uh, as LeBron says, you do what you need to do to have success and let the chips fall where, where they may. And you got to live with the results. And right now I'm living with the results that it didn't necessarily work out for me in, in that phase of life. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, like I said, I, th I feel like for everyday people, that's hard to go through kind of like failures or shortcomings and not blame somebody or say like, Oh, that's this reason why it didn't happen. So to kind of hear you say, like I was in, when you were in those periods to say like, I was, you know, I was in the, in the moment, I did everything I could and, you know, I wasn't looking to pass blame, but you are human. So things do affect you, but that's awesome to hear that. Like you were just like, you know what, I did everything I could. It just didn't work out. And I had to keep on driving and keep moving forward. Yeah. And on that one point, I, I kind of got long winded with my answer a little bit there, but the reality is I've always kind of taken the, the mindset of like, what advice, what advice would I give myself if I was in that situation? And the advice right. everyone would give is, Hey, you can't play the blame game. Like, Hey, just move on. Like you did what you could all stuff. Everyone would give that advice, right? If, you, if it was your, 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 your son, your daughter, your, your friend, whatever, like we'd all be like, Hey, it's all good. Like move forward. It, it happened or, or whatever. And so that's easy to say. Most people struggle implementing that into their own life, but I've always tried to kind of, kind of have that, uh, that perspective a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things that I found when I was like kind of doing my research and like you know, looking you up on social media and things like that before this was your pinned tweet on your Twitter where you went back to SC and I think you were talking to the quarterbacks or the freshmen. Is that right? Freshman, yeah. And you bit, you came out and you said, I didn't do shit here. So how kind of – I feel like that has to be kind of liberating to be able to say, like, I didn't do anything here. I Like, I was a god-awful – you know, the record books aren't going to have my name in them for anything. This is what – you guys have to look forward to because there's a possibility that you guys aren't going to do shit here. How liberating was that to say that? And then also impart that knowledge to these 17, 18 year old kids who are coming in thinking they're the next Reggie Bush. They're the next Matt Liner. They're the, going to be four time Heisman winners and make hundreds of millions of dollars in the NFL. Yeah. You say liberating. I say ownership. That, that's kind of, it gives me ownership of kind of right. my, my scenario and my life. And once again, as you could probably imagine, I get pushed back on that video a little bit because it is harsh and people say, Oh, Max, you were a captain at USC and you got two degrees there and all that stuff. But the reality is like, that's nice and school is valuable. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that, but that's not the mindset I was coming into USC at. That's just the reality right. of what it is. Like, every scholarship athlete is at USC. And so I said that with the, with the mindset that um, I didn't do anything at USC, like relative, like, yeah, that, that's that relative to kind of the where uh, a scholarship football player is coming in. But now at 25, when the guys who made it, made it, the Juju Smith-Schusters and the Sam Darnolds and all that stuff, the Zach Banners, those guys made it. But the reality is, 95% of those guys don't make it. And right. the harsh reality is a lot of my former teammates are their lives are not in a very advantageous position. And mm -hmm. my life, I'm ironically, I, I just quit my day job, but I at least have some things going for me. I have some traction broadcasting. I have some degrees to my name. And I think from an outsider's perspective, people would say, Oh, like Max has some, some promising career moves. And that's a result of, how I went about my business at USC that most guys don't do. That's just the harsh reality. Right. Um, and then it comes back to bite them in the butt later when they're kind of oblivious to what's going on. And a lot of what I'm saying is very harsh. It's very matter of fact. And I know it's not easy. And I know it's, 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 um, I, I don't ever say that to kind of, like I said, come from a place of being all high and mighty, but I say that to hopefully kind of hit those guys across the face uh, for lack of a better term to kind of wake up to how, uh, how opportune a window that is when they're at USC to kind of take advantage of some of the stuff there. And even if they don't score 20 touchdowns and win a Heisman trophy, that they can still take advantage of that chapter in their life. Even if things don't work out 
to set their life up uh, on, a, on a better trajectory, which the reality is most guys do not. Right. And I, I will challenge every one of our listeners that it's, even if you're not going to play football or anything, it's, it's a great video because it kind of was like, to, for me, it was like, okay, like this guy had pretty much everything and he didn't get it done and he's able to own it live with it, move on and be successful and go back and tell these kids that are going through it that, you know, there are other options out there. Like football is awesome. Football is great. It's fun, but it's probably not going to work out for all, everybody in that room. So every, all of our listeners find Max on Twitter. I'm going to plug your socials at the end of this, but find that video, watch it on repeat, send it to your friends, send it to anybody that's going to college or going to think about playing college athletics because it's, it's eye-opening and it's, it's worth the watch. I appreciate that big time. No, that means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned you've got some kind of broadcasting things going on here. And from what I saw on your socials, that's not what you want your full-time end game to be. But when did you kind of realize that broadcasting could be kind of a part of the future? Because I think you started out kind of humbly just doing like breakdowns on YouTube and uploading them, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, no, you're asking some some great questions. Uh, I first realized that was kind of a thing or the first time it clicked in my brain was, uh, like we talked about, I spent a lot of time as a backup quarterback in college. And uh, for those that know, on Friday practices before a game, the backup quarterback gets no reps. And so I'm just kind of chilling on the sideline, just posted up, like doing my thing, going through my mental reps and all that. Right. But as I got a little bit more, a uh, little, little older, uh, it became a thing that when Cody Kessler would do his two minute drill, me and uh, one of the quality control guys, he, uh, we would do kind of, we would announce the game. We would announce the drive and we, we didn't do like play by play and color. It was just kind of like a, a having fun, just kind of messing around. But like Cody Kessler completes a pass to Nelson Aguilar. He catches it for five, pushes forward to 10, like something like that. And we would just right. like goof around and have fun. And that was the first time I kind of realized like, Hey, when football ends for me in 20 years, like that was my mindset, then, mm -hmm. hey, I would love to stick around the game, at least give broadcasting a shot. Then that same thing happened even more so at Pitt when I was a senior and I was sitting in this, my arm was in a sling. We had a bye week and it was kind of a freshman game, right? Uh, the youngsters getting some reps and they yeah. had a microphone at practice. And uh, I remember announcing Kenny Pickett and like the Pitt offense, like doing their thing and I would do some jokes, like some Bob Mennery-esque like right. commentary and uh, people got a kick out of it. And I was like, Hey, and I got some comments like, Hey Max, you should do this for a living. Like some, like some of that stuff. And so that's obviously when I'm sitting in the sling, like not sure where my football career is going to go. And that's kind of where the thought happened. And then fast forward to the fall of 2018 was getting some advice. Hey, how can I break into the industry? How can I, how can I do something? And, and that was when Dan Orlowski was getting a lot of traction with his Twitter breakdowns. And mm -hmm. I was kind of like, Hey, I can do that. He's yeah. Excuse me. He's a bigger name than me, but I can do that. And so I took his style and then added more production value to it. Had one of my best buds kind of help me with some of the editing stuff. And uh, that gave me that, that gave, that, that established me as like a analyst and it wasn't groundbreaking, but I got a, right. a little bit of a loyal following with that and was able to break some things down and get some reps and, that led to uh, bigger opportunities with a serious exam with USC and all that stuff. And just like anything in life, right. You got to start somewhere. One thing becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes a phone call and you kind of never look back and don't get me right. wrong. I'm still in the early phases. I'm actually calling my first game here on Halloween. I'm calling Louisiana tech UAB, which will be, uh, which will be dope. But uh, nice. yeah, man, it's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm ground floor, man. And that's a big part of my content. A lot of what I do on social media is, trying to share everything while I'm in it. So mm -hmm. then hopefully when I have big success in 10, 15, five, 20 years or whatever, right. it was a cool journey I kind of shared with everyone. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of my mindset. Yeah. And I think with kind of like college football or football analysts in general, it kind of is a little bit easier to follow or more enjoyable when it's coming from like a former quarterback. I mean, you mentioned Darren Orlovsky, his breakdowns are phenomenal because he's seeing everything that's going on with the O-line, the D-line, the defense, what they're doing. Cause you guys are seeing everything in film and on the field, you have to read every single thing. So you guys have a little bit more, maybe a built-in experience before you go into, you know, breaking down film for the masses to put out on socials and things like that. So I think it maybe it, maybe it flows a little bit better from quarterbacks, but I think that's, awesome story of how you kind of just were, you know, calling plays out with a coach and then got on the mic for 
a, a redshirt freshman game and then just started doing the damn thing on YouTube because like you said, all you, you have to start something to get somewhere. You have to find something and do it or otherwise it's not going to turn out anyway. That's awesome. Um, totally. No, I'm definitely a guy uh, and not to go down a different, different hole, but uh, I, we live in a world where everyone paints social media in a very negative light, a very cancerous light. And I totally understand the why behind that. But there's also a lot of people that have been using that to leverage and advance their life and their career and what they're about mm -hmm. and leverage also has a negative connotation. But the reality is like you're doing with this podcast and whatnot, and I'm sure there's going to be a social media flair to it, at least at some point, there's a lot of ways that social media can advance kind of where you're at in your life. And I'm definitely someone who, hey, YouTube is out there. There's a lot of people that would that would do a lot to have those opportunities yep. uh, 20 years ago, but nowadays you don't need a network to take a chance on you necessarily. You can do some things on your own, and um, I just challenge people in that in that regard to kind of take advantage of the fact we are living in 2020. And this year sucks. Don't get me wrong, but there's still uh, there's still opportunity out there. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, let's throw your analyst hat on for a little bit here. Let's talk kind of the season, the college season so far. Who way too early because we still haven't had Big Ten or Pac-12 or anything kick off. But at this point, who do you see kind of moving towards the playoff? Because this past weekend we had some some big upsets kind of shake, th shake things up with Florida going down and the Big 12 basically falling out of things. So who's kind of your maybe five or six teams to watch that will be in the, in the discussion when we get to it in December? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, come into the year, my dark horse was Texas, and they're not uh, they're not looking too hot. Obviously, Oklahoma's not either. Um, I was kind of lukewarm on Alabama, and once again, I'm the guy that kind of fell into the trap of thinking that Alabama might have a down year, and here they are once again kind of in the thick of it. But I've been impressed with Mac Jones. I think he's not getting a lot of credit right now, but if we fast forward another month, he could be right in the thick of kind of everything. Uh, but Alabama, Clemson stick out to me for sure. Um, Notre Dame, I think they could I feel like Notre Dame does this every single year where no yep. one's talking about them. They kind of sneakily get to four and oh, they get to six and oh, they might lose a game and get to six or seven and one, and then they finish strong and they're kind of there. And it's like, all right, well, they're a one loss team. Here we are. So yeah. they're there for me. Um, I think Ohio State, if they take care of business and go undefeated, which they very well could, they could be right there. Uh, and then the Pac 12, I mean, I am not of the camp that the Pac-12 is completely out of it. I think if you got to – they have to go undefeated, don't get me wrong. They have right. to have style points along the way. But uh, I think uh, – I mean, people are going to call me a homer once again. But USC, they have a – they always have stars. They always have hype. Don't get me wrong. That's how it is always, every year. But this right. year, they have a lot of guys who have played a lot of football coming back. And in the Pac-12 where the South is not very good – or I guess, check that. It's not as good as it has been. Right. Um, Top to bottom, top to bottom. Uh, I know Pac-12 has not had the Clemson or the Oklahoma, but I would challenge a lot of people, the middle of the Pac-12 and the and top to bottom in terms of like, oh, cupcakes and whatnot. Like the Pac-12 top to bottom was way better than the ACC. And so, I don't know, they, they, they could get there a little bit, but uh, I'm still waiting to see. I mean, with so many teams already having one loss, I mean, I guess Georgia still kind of comes to mind, but uh, I, I think yeah. the one loss teams are, are still still kind of there for me. Yeah, I'm on the camp of every year that I just don't see Georgia. I don't like. I don't want Georgia in the playoff. Like I've seen that story. It's their defense is good. Their offense has never been enough to kind of get it get it done. So I'm kind of like, let's let's leave them out. But I think the Notre Dame thing that you said kind of sticks out because they're playing an ACC schedule this year and they're kind of included in that ACC championship. So it, like you said, if they stumble and get a loss here and then go out and win the ACC championship over Clemson, that's gonna put them on kind of that national stage and be like, all right, these guys are for real. We have no choice but to give them a shot because the knock on them in the past has been they're an independent. They're not in a conference. They're running through these teams, but they're not playing like a tough schedule week in and week out. So I think that's kind of a dark horse storyline that people are going to have to start paying attention to late down the road in the season when things are starting to figure themselves out. Without a doubt. And I just put, while you were talking, I just put up the rankings on my phone and, I mean, Oregon's at five right now, and I, people are going to plug me as like a Pac-12 guy, but I'm slow to roll on Oregon. Oregon has to replace so much offensively yep. that, like, I, I mean, I, I don't think they'll go undefeated. 
No. Whether it's one loss or two loss and whether that's enough, we'll see. But I just – they have so much to replace. And, yes, they've been recruiting well. But, to me, it's not as bad as as LSU, but it's a similar train of thought of – Yeah. I don't care how good you recruit. Like, it's just tough to replace guys, especially in a condensed season where you have to start out of the gates hot. So, yeah. they, they make me uh, – that's interesting. And then after that, you get into the Floridas, the Oklahomas, the one-loss teams, the Big Ten rundown, and then, like, Baylor's. So – I still think it's wide open, and it's yeah. always wide open this time of year. But right. I even think it's more so than, uh, than 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 years past. Yeah, it's definitely a unique season. So it's kind of I feel like the things the teams that take care of the business off the field and you know follow protocols and stay safe and things like that are going to be the ones that maybe are kind of hanging around and then kind of jump up uh, to kind of take the national spotlight. But um, Let's talk a little uh, QBs because it's your position. So the top two guys that everybody's talking about, well, I guess three, would be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Who's another guy that's kind of flying under the radar that nobody's talking about that you kind of think could translate and make a lot of NFL GMs happy that they that he slipped to them in you know, late rounds or something like that next year? Yeah, my guy, uh, the, the, the narrative has turned on my guy heavily in the past couple of weeks. I have been hammering the table for uh, KJ Costello for about two years now, ever since I yeah. started my broadcasting career. I thought he was underappreciated at Stanford, a Stanford offense that is not very innovative. Right. Uh, when, he first, when he had a good season in 2018, his receivers and tight ends who we're seeing on Sundays were getting a lot of credit mm -hmm. and rightfully so made a lot of plays. But I, I thought his anticipatory skills and ball placement was vastly underrated got hurt last year we saw it week one against LSU and then now he's he got benched unfortunately so I'm a little slow to roll there but I'll, I'll still go he's the name that is very uh interesting to me um outside of that uh Kyle Trask is interesting to me mm -hmm. um still but I guess the, the answer to me is I don't have a guy that's kind of next up for me uh, I saw a the Wilson Wilson from BYU was on Mel Kuyper's like he's top five now. Yeah. With all due respect to me, that's ludicrous at this stage in the game. I have I thought Wilson forces throws. He's mobile enough in college to make some things happen, but he's not. That mobility to me does not translate to the NFL. Right. Um, as seamless as some might hope. So. I think there's a big drop off after one and two Trey Lance, the verdict's still out. I'm excited about his upside, but to be honest, I've seen all of like 40 throws. So yeah. uh, the answer to me is I think it's still wide open. Uh, I liked uh, Jamie Newman with some of the breakdown I did there, but once again, he's a little um, loose with the football in terms of decision-making, which People said that about Patrick Mahomes. And one of my pet peeves is people always trying to uh, compare people to Pat Mahomes because Pat Mahomes right. is his own deal. Yeah, but you can't compare anybody to him. Exactly. But I say that because if Jamie Newman's of the thought process that, hey, I'm at Wake Forest and I got to be Superman every game for us to win, and that's why he's forcing throws, that's one thing. If you get with the coach, you can rein it in and just say, hey, man, yeah. just find completions. Maybe there's something there. Uh, but those names uh, kind of – kind of uh, intrigue me Sam Ellinger's a different guy but I haven't Sam Ellinger I think he could be an interesting mid-round pick if he could piece some things together seen a lot of football which is really valuable yeah. those those names kind of stick out to me yeah Sam Ellinger I think he could be good but I think he might fall into that and I hate comparing him to this but like that Taysom Hill type of role where he's that teams kind of like him but they just kind of want to get him on the field and they don't really have a position for him but again, I can't compare anybody to Taysom Hill because he seems like he's on his own level with that thing covering punts and kickoffs and tight end. And I run out of words to describe him. But uh, I, sh I should have stuck with my initial thought is I don't have a guy for you that I'm like, let's go. If yeah. we had this podcast two weeks ago, I'd be like, KJ Costello, let's go all day. Yep. But I'm even, my, even myself, I'm getting a little nervous. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. We still got, I mean, it's week four. We got a lot more football left for it to figure it out. And we got a lot more time for us to be armchair experts and, you know, nitpick these guys, but, uh, but no um, all right, last question I got for you here. This is our last question for all of our guests. Our big thing here on three balls and a BLP is when we have people on, we want to find out what their why is, what their goal, what, their, what keeps them getting up in the morning, keeps them pushing forward, keeps them always hungry. So what is your why, what gets you up every day and keeps moving you forward? 
Full transparency, I've always kind of struggled with that question. Uh, I've worked with some sports psychologists and I've obviously, I've worked in the, in my professional career in the self-betterment space for some thought leaders there. And I've mm -hmm. always kind of tried to come up with this groundbreaking one-liner and, and I struggle with it, but I, I come back to, I want to live a life of making impact and I want to move the needle forward in my life. And I want to, I want to leave a legacy. I think we all, at the end of the day, hundred years from now, we're, we're all going to be dead. Right. And, uh, and, and I want to live a life where I, I made an impact in this world in some form or fashion, whether it was impacting a couple lives that put people on a different trajectory for the better, or whether that's doing some groundbreaking thing and, and changing the course of, of something in a specific industry. A lot of that is what I'm still trying to figure out. But the, 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 the next question is, oh, well, why do you want to do that? And I, and I still struggle with that a little bit. I'm going to be honest. Like uh, a lot of people was like, oh, it's an egotistical thing. Eh, I, I just, I, I don't think that's a thing. I just think at the end of the day, I'm grateful for uh, the gifts that God's given me and the, the wiring that he's given me and the, and the platform he's given me and the mental strength that he's given me. And I just want to take advantage of that every single day and try to just like, if life's a, if life's a sponge or life's an orange, just squeeze everything out of that. And I want to leave a legacy that when people, uh, when I pass away, people say, Hey, that guy, that guy went after it in every aspect of life. And he was just a good dude. I think that's yeah. the most important is, is he's just a good dude. And, um, that's kind of where I, where I net out on the subject and I need to kind of hone in my answer, uh, in, 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 uh, if, if I'm being honest with myself. Yeah. I mean, you say you don't, really have like a concrete answer on that but everything you just said adds up to kind of a why i mean you want to have a good impact you want to maybe touch two or three lives if that if uh, i forget who said it but someone said if you can touch one life and make a difference in their life then you've lived a super successful life and you'll be remembered for it like so that. so even though you're still trying to hone in the the concrete you know like elevator pitch of your why i mean you're on the right track and you're 25 i mean i'm saying that as a 27 year old so like we both have plenty of times to plenty of time to figure out all that shit yep. um but that was all the oh, questions yeah, no, I, had. I appreciate that yeah man that was everything i had did you have anything any questions or anything else you wanted to plug i mean i want to give you a chance to plug your social medias and everything here too yeah no i know we we covered a bunch we talked football we talked uh talk live, talk, talk broadcasting. And I kind of dive into all of the above uh, on my social platforms. If, if, uh, if you guys want to follow me at Max Brown and Brown has an E at the end on Instagram, uh, have a YouTube channel as well. Just, uh, just my name on Twitter at Max Brown for the number four. And once again, Brown is an E at the end uh, for the check out the video Michael was talking about and then uh, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, just once again, my, my name there. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening and, uh, Look forward to sharing more content and uh, seeing how my story evolves. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can we find that game that you're going to be calling the UAB Law Tech game? Is it on ESPN? I, ESPN I still Plus? need to find specifics on uh, myself, but it's for a network called Stadium, uh, which okay. is kind of a, a mid-tier mid-tier network. People that are active on Twitter will uh, will recognize that. And uh, in terms of channel specifics or exact streaming, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, it's UAB Louisiana Tech, and it'll be on the Stadium network awesome awesome well i'll be i'll be trying to find that so i can tune in but uh max this was awesome man we appreciate you coming on appreciate you telling your story and uh we hope everybody that's listening uh can take something from it and uh you know we'd love to have you back on again some in the future talk a little bit more ball and things like that man but thanks again stay well stay safe and uh, we'll talk to you soon i appreciate that michael likewise thanks man